Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be with me on this year's program, it is a free-for-all for the weekend. Yes, you can call in about things I might not otherwise be willing to talk about. And honestly, today would probably be the day to do it considering how little show prep I've done. <laughs> you know, so I, 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 I they're actually, we got to talk about Christian cinema, but let me just, just set the lay of the land for you. Um, so I'm moving, you know, I, I've done the show now for 11 years. I, I, I feel comfortable telling you guys this. I think most of you know, um, I try to be in studio once or twice a month, just, I mean, you got to keep up with the gossip. There's been uh, people leaving, people coming and see and be seen. But I tend to do it out of the bunker in my house. And as the show grows and we need to put in more cameras and do live streams and, and other stuff, my my office looks like a hoarder's nightmare. In part, it's because whenever I leave, Everything that no one claims goes in my office as though this must be dad's. Put it in the office. And I try to clean up every few months and I'm finally like, screw it. I'm just, I'm not doing this. I've got, I have one little path in the, the place. It's an, it's a disaster. Like I am embarrassed when people see it. It's such a mess. And and finally, uh, with the show growing and expanding nationally, I mean, we're on Las Vegas now. We're on in uh, Springfield, Illinois, Portland, Oregon, uh, Jacksonville and Orlando, Florida. We're on in Dayton, Ohio, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tucson, Arizona. Um, the, I, I can't name all the affiliates now. We, we've got so many. We're even on in Montana. Um, and I got to I gotta get an office. And I finally found one. And it's this whirlwind at the end of the year where I'm, I'm having to do the office negotiations. I got to do the insurance uh, for employees. I got to do the insurance for the office. I got to do the uh, high-speed internet for the office. I got to pick out the paint color for the landlord to be able to repaint the office. I got to find furniture. Uh, it's just this mad dash to move in. And I got up this morning and have just been in meeting, 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 meeting. Everything uh, important, everything I've got to be a part of, I can't delegate. And today is just one of those days where it got the best of me. And it's my son's 14th birthday. And I was supposed to go to the gym this afternoon. And now I got to, I remember I got to tell the trainer, I can't, I forgot it was my kid's birthday. Um, I didn't forget, but you know, in the, in the scheduling for this week for going to the gym, I did. Uh, so all of that going on and we've got all the news, including Kristen Sinema's uh, jumping ship from the democratic party, which I'm not kind of, I'm, I'm not that surprised. I don't think anyone should actually be surprised that Kristen Sinema has decided to bolt the democratic party uh, in large part because she she's had the, one of the weirdest careers, like objectively, I think she's had one of the weirdest careers in Congress. She was a code pink activist who has moderated over time, becoming still a feminist, still a Democrat, still a liberal, but far less so than what the progressives have wanted. She was one of those code pink activists who would go uh, rail against George W. Bush. And against uh, Obama's war, she she was in Congress and she was the left of the left. And when the left of the left is now too far left for her, the left probably has a problem. Uh, here she is talking to Jake Tapper. Well, I think folks at home in Arizona have known me for a very long time and they know who I am. I've always been someone who 
is focused on getting results, getting things done. And I've never fit neatly into any party box. I've never really tried. I don't want to. And I think that's reflective of how most Arizonans live. You know, Arizonans who aren't affiliated with either party are often the largest group of voters in Arizona. And even those who are affiliated with parties often find that they don't fit 100% into that box. The reality is, is that when we get up in the morning, we don't really think about partisanship. Most people don't wake up and think, okay, well, I've you know, got to get this Democratic breakfast on the table. I got to get in my Republican car and go to work. That's not how real life is. I, I know it is in this town, but in the rest of the country, people are just living their lives. And so they're not thinking about who's winning and who's losing, but that's what the parties are thinking about, is how do we get one over on this guy? How do we you know, ensure that we're punishing them? How do we continue to win? And what I'm really focused on, and I think the proof is in the pudding of the work I've done in the Senate, I'm really focused on getting results, like actually solving problems. And so, you know, removing myself from the partisan structure, not only is it true to who I am and how I operate, I also think it'll provide a place of belonging for many folks across the state and the country who also are tired of the partisanship. Yeah, look, um, I, I just, so I get this. Let me play you one more clip. This is from Van Jones from CNN. A lot of Republican love for uh, Kirsten Cinema this morning. I mean, Van, you're shaking your heads, but it was just a few months ago that Mitch McConnell called her the most effective first-term senator I've seen in my entire time in the Senate. Look, when you're getting praised by uh, Tom Cotton, who is, um, you know, horrible on uh, LGBTQ rights, horrible on basic justice issues, horrible on every issue, I don't think that's great uh, for uh, people in Arizona to hear uh, her being praised in that way. All right. Um, out of the gate, Christian Cinema deciding to become an independent and not affiliate with the Democratic Party doesn't change the Senate because she will not caucus with the Republicans, so the Republicans still don't have the votes they would need to take over the Senate. And if she caucused, it would still be just 50-50, which would tie the committees. Um, it makes her more powerful. It certainly makes Joe Manchin more powerful as well. It gives them a little more negotiating wiggle room, and it probably signals the end of her career. She was going to be challenged from the left in Arizona anyway, and she will be challenged by Republicans, so she's probably a one-term senator. In her interviews, though, she's speaking, I think, for a lot of people. Because I get this all the time. I'm a conservative. I make no bones about it. It's funny, the number of people who tell me, well, you're you're a moderate um, because you don't support Trump. Uh, supporting a person is actually not conservative. Or I'm a moderate because I'm I'm not trying to be a biblical donkey to someone. You can still be a nice person and be a conservative. I, I, many of the people who tell me uh, that they are conservative and I am not can't really tell you what a conservative is. It's just a label they've applied to themselves to say people who aren't like them aren't it. Uh, there are very few positions I can think of that I have evolved on, on my, in my life, and most of them I've gone to the right. Very few have I wobbled on. There are a lot of newcomers to politics these days, though, who, uh, because 
this person I like said he was this, I am this, and anyone who disagrees with me is not, and that's not very thoughtful. It's also, I've noticed a number of the people who say, call everyone else sheep are the ones most easily led. They don't think for themselves. What I have noticed, though, is I got a lot of people who listen to this program who are of the right, who have been of the right for a very long time, and look around and they're like, what the hell happened? What is up is now down, and what is down is now up. Uh, people who used to like proudly call themselves conservative now scream, what is conservatism conserved? Uh, they, they don't know what they're moving on to. They're trying to shape up some new ideology. It's, uh, they've lost their principles, and I've still got mine. What happened? Kristen Sinema is still a progressive. She's not a conservative. She's not even a moderate. She's a progressive. But she's also someone who doesn't think to a party line. She doesn't feel at home in a tribe. And that is the thing that resonates the most with so many people right now. And what I get the most when I, when I, you know, if you listen to me and you listen to the callers who call this program, one of the things that actually stands out to me are the large number of people who can't just call and say, hey, I love your show. They got to say, I don't always agree with you, but... I don't know anyone who does agree, but it's one of the things that separates, I think, this program from a lot of other programs in conservative talk is that I sometimes take positions that are not the boilerplate RNC uh, mass movement social media talking points. And so it sounds different, even though you may arrive at the same conclusion. We're like, I don't always agree with what you say, but but they're still willing to call and have the conversation. And so I will tell you one of the things that is striking to me is the large array of people who will call this program and say, I don't always agree with you, including on this one thing. And it turns out they actually do agree with me. They just may not like the way I said something, but they actually agree with what I was saying. And what it ultimately is, is we are in an age where tribalism has gotten so many people so focused on certain things, and they don't even really have to think for themselves anymore. They say, what does this guy say? Well, if he says it, I must believe it and put no thought into it. And all I try to do is to tell you what I think, and you can feel free to call and say, I disagree with you. You just got to get past my call screener by not being a jerk. And we can have those conversations. There are so many people who don't have a political home, though, right now because of it. Because they do not always align on everything, even though they consider themselves a Republican or they consider themselves a conservative or a Democrat or progressive or what have you. But they disagree on certain things. I, I, I know a guy. He is listening to this program at this very moment. He is a progressive who pretty much genuinely disagrees with everything I say. But he listens because he wants to know what the other side thinks and thinks I'm less of a jerk than many of the other people who would represent my side. So he listens here. Yeah, you know I'm talking about you. He is a progressive. He's pretty much a socialist. But he really is opposed to the transgender ideology push on the left. He says it's nonsense. He's a science guy. He's an evolutionist. He's an atheist. He's an evolutionist. Says it, it, it lines up with nothing in nature. It makes no sense. This is madness. Your side has to win on this. He disagrees with me on everything except that. So he's a progressive who disagrees with this and he, he this idea, and he knows if he were to out himself as disagreeing, his own side would cancel him. In fact, I would suggest that the right is becoming intolerant in ways the left has always been, but still not nearly as tolerant as the left. You can have more wiggle room in the right. So here comes Kristen Sinema who says, I just, 
I'm of the left, but I'm not of the Democratic Party. I, I, I can't stri- side up with the tribe. No one in America wakes up this morning and says, how is the political team going to win? Who do we need to screw over today with legislation or regulation? People are worried about feeding their family. People are worried about going to work. People are worried about putting gas in their car. People are worried about their kid's birthday. People are worried about life and their family. And and they're not necessarily worried. It's what occupies their mind. And in Washington and in political tribalism these days, it's always us versus them. In tribal politics, it's harder to have a friend on the other side. And yet, out there in America, off Twitter, outside the political parties, most people do have friends who disagree with them politically. Most people still do. And she's speaking for a lot of people, even as a lot of people may disagree with her positions on things. She's giving voice to a lot of people who are completely dissatisfied, not even with the polarization of parties and politics in America today, but with the rank tribalism where you must do and say these things and know which things to keep your mouth shut on where you disagree just so you can fit in into a tribe. And that tribalism ultimately runs both sides off the cliff. Group think is bad. And while I disagree with her completely in politics, she, I mean, I, I think she's kind of nutty progressive. At least she's willing to stand up and say, you know, I just, I don't fit in anymore. If you don't fit into politics, I'm glad you listened to the program. Because there it is. I was an elected Republican. I can't tell you what the hell the Republicans stand for anymore, other than we're not the Democrats. I feel like the Democrats are at least more honest. They want to defund the police. They want to raise your taxes and, and give it to other people. They want to do all these things. The Republicans say, well, we want to, we want to fight for, fight against Obamacare, and they never actually do. So I understand when you don't fit in on party. And I understand where you, you, you're kind of tired of this, this tribalism that makes people think, well, you can't be really on this side because you have a friend who disagrees with you. And so you're a traitor to the cause. I get that. I, I, I think it is tearing the country apart to a degree. And, and it is, it's at the level of social media and the level of partisanship. So, you know, her changing, her becoming an independent probably ends her political career. It does nothing for the shakeup of the United States Senate. It actually does nothing to help the Republicans. It does everything to help her and Joe Manchin. So it's not as big a deal as some people might make it. She will caucus with the Democrats. But she's also has a message that 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 resonates with a lot of people that this is kind of nuts that we are this divided politically in Washington and among those of us who pay attention to politics and the rest of the country isn't this divided so maybe there is some way to proceed without worrying so much about all the nonsense in Washington and trying to find some common ground with people who you vehemently disagree with it probably something we could all learn from a friend of mine and I were discussing bowl and branch sheets the other night when he was sitting on the front porch with me, and he didn't believe that they got softer and softer every time you wash them. His wife was not convinced at all. She figured it was all marketing hype. Now she wants bowl and branch sheets for all of their beds at home. Why? Because they really do get softer every time you wash them. They're free of toxins, pesticides, harsh chemicals at every step of the process. They're the finest 100% organic cotton on earth. They're made by artisans who earn 
the pay and the respect they deserve. And right now, you can bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with Bolin Branch bedding. Their signature sheets even come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box. It's going to look good. It's going to feel great. For a limited time, get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code ERIC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolinBranch.com. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. It is a free-for-all today for the weekend, so you can call in about things that aren't necessarily on topic, and I'm going to start with Jerry. Welcome, Jerry. How are you? Hey, doing well, Eric, and a really very Merry Christmas to you and your you too. family. Thank you. Hey, I have a prediction. I'm not sure if this is my cynical or skeptical side coming out regarding politics, but the cinema declaring it being an independent, Mullen, who ran against Senator Lee in Utah, saying he was a, quote, independent. I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of these leftists start to put I's by their names instead of D's. And we know they're going to be leftists instead of independents because we're going to be able to see that the Democratic Party is not going to put a challenger up against these people. And I just want to see your thoughts if you think that's going to happen. And not just, uh, I think, at local level, election, state level, and even the national uh, level. I just want to get your thoughts if you think yeah, look, this trend uh, is going to Jerry, continue. I, I, first of all, Merry Christmas to you and your family. And yeah, look, in places like Utah, so Evan McMullen ran as an independent. Republicans were actually kind of freaked out about McMullen towards the end because there was a lot of internal polling showing he was surging against Lee, wound up not being so. But I was getting calls from a couple of members of Congress saying, you got to step on the gas to help Mike because Evan is surging in the polls. Um, And as we know, some of the polls out there were really wonky this time. Um, You will find, I think, independent runs by Democrats in Republican states to try to pull some people away even if only to help the Democrats. And this has kind of been a a trick for a while now. Uh, What the parties do, and both parties do it, is they find an independent candidate with some viability to be able to run to pull votes away from the other main party candidates. So in Oregon, for example, uh, you had a Democrat run as an independent. It looked like the Republican was catching uh, lightning in a bottle and was going to win. So the Democrats put up and funded an independent candidate who pulled enough Democrats to her to hurt the Republican. You had uh, the Democrats in Utah sit their candidate out of the race and fund Evan uh, McMullen. Uh, I keep calling him McMuffin. Um, I got to be careful there. And uh, trying to run him for office. And I think the Republicans, by the way, have done the same in places. So you, you got to be careful saying it's one side or the other. But, yeah, I, I think you're going to see progressives do this a lot. I will tell you that, um, oh, Ruben Goliath, what's his name, uh, Gallego, who is in Arizona, has released a statement. Last month, the voters of Arizona made their voice heard loud and clear. They want leaders who put the people of Arizona first. We need senators who will put Arizonans ahead of big drug companies and Wall Street bankers. Whether in the Marine Corps or Congress, I've never backed down from fighting for Arizonans. And at a time when our nation needs leadership most, Arizona deserves a voice that won't back down in the face of struggle. Unfortunately, Senator Sinema is once again putting her own interests ahead of getting things done for Arizonans. Uh, Ruben Gallego, he is a progressive in Arizona who was going to challenge her anyway. 
and he is absolutely going to challenge her now, although she'll run as independent. I don't see how she makes it in Arizona as an independent unless the Republicans align behind her, and many of them don't like her either. Uh, but for the next two years, at least, she kind of shakes up the U.S. Senate, which is fine by me. When we come back, we got more we got to talk about, including the Twitter shadow bans and your phone calls, 877-973-7425. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. It's a free-for-all for the weekend. You can call in about things not necessarily on topic. I do want to spend a little bit of time with those on the phones. Let's begin with Mindy. Welcome to the show, Mindy. Hey, Eric. I love your show. I um, appreciated your show yesterday about Help the Persecuted, and I'm a Patriot Mobile uh, customer, Excellent. happy customer. Good. <laughs> Very happy. They're great. So I have two quick questions. Um, one, I, I just wonder, you know, with um, teenagers ourselves, one of whom just took American government in school and loved it, but sees all the discord in politics and, you know, um, the negative aspects of the tribalism that you're talking about. There's so much fatigue. Everyone was so tired in Georgia anyway of the 24-7 commercials that ran between, you know, the general election and the, the uh runoff um what is going to make young people and good young people want to even get into government and politics do you think and is it time to your earlier point for that third party to be created it feels like the independent voters keep growing in number because of all these same things they don't even understand what their party stands for and therefore they say well i don't i don't i'm not that guy so i must just be an independent yeah, yeah, you know, I actually, I, I get asked the question about an independent party a lot. Um, the most successful independent party ever was Ross Perot's Reform Party, and it managed to do nothing. Uh, and he had a, had a billionaire funder. Our nation is designed, whether we like it or not, for the two parties. They control ballot access laws, campaign finance laws, and the like. I don't think we're ever going to see mm-hmm. a meaningful third party. So what I would tell people who are interested in politics, who care about the country, is ignore the noise. There actually are a lot of good people in politics who may disagree. And if you want to make the nation a better place, uh, first of all, have some lived experience and then get involved mm-hmm. in politics. Um, you know, and I'm going to let you listen here, Mindy, and I appreciate the phone call. I, I want to I, I wasn't going to get here, but I, I might as well. If I could put my finger on one of the worst problems in the American political process right now, it is a problem that transcends one party. It is a problem of both parties. 
It's not the consultants. It's not the duopoly. It's not the ballot access. It's not the donors. It's not the campaign access. It's we have a lot of people involved in the process who have only been involved in that process. When you look at some of the best candidates or best politicians in America, they are people who were not always in politics but had lived experience elsewhere and then got into politics. Some of the worst politicians in America are the creatures of politics who have always been political. And unfortunately for the country right now, both parties are so attuned to things that happen online and the loud voices in the room that build up social media followings. And many of those people have no lived experience. I don't believe you have to walk in someone's shoes to understand them necessarily. I don't believe you have to be a member of a uh, demographic category in order to comment on that demographic category. And I don't believe you need credentials. There are a lot of idiots out there with PhDs. But it would be nice if the parties, instead of listening to the loud 20 and 30-something single people on Twitter on how to align with the working class or with, with families, would actually listen to the working class and families. It would be nice if the young kids who have developed their followings on social media by being political brain biblical donkeys would actually go out, start a family, get a job in the real world, learn to live life, experience life, and then decide they're going to pontificate about life. I'm always amazed these days at the number of, of single 20 and 30-somethings in the Democratic Party who've decided that they know enough in their life to be able to set public policy for the rest of us, and inevitably, it descends into live like me. I mentioned the other day there was this urban planning um, idiot on social media who was venting about um, in-unit washers and dryers and how it was bad for the environment, it was bad for water, it was bad for people, and no one needs to have an in-apartment built in a washer and dryer. The fact that people don't want to move into apartments without them is just something bad, and they should be discouraged. And this is a 20-something who pontificated that um, he doesn't know anybody who has to do laundry every day. You can do it at the end of a week or every two weeks and hang out for 90 minutes in the laundromat and be fine. And this is a childless 20-something when he has kids, he will realize you do laundry every day. My gosh, my wife is a saint. She does laundry every single day. She keeps it moving. She's got a rhythm and a routine. But we're getting this on the right as well. You've got a bunch of um, rich white kids who really haven't had any job. They went from law school straight into pontificating about politics around the country. And, I mean, get married and have kids before you start talking to me about the working class and connecting the families and, and family policy. And it, it, we, the people who want to perform on social media, they want to be some level of thought leader. Look, I get it. I mean, we've, we've had some thought leaders in this country who have run us off the rails. But come on, people. Live a little first. Get out of politics. I find that the people who are the happiest, the people who have the best sense of where things should go in this country, whether on the left or the right, are the people who got into politics later, not the people who started in politics. Like, you know, so I was the uh, chairman of the college Republicans at my university. I started the college Republicans at my university became the 
statewide chairman of the College Republicans. I was the last chairman of the Georgia Federation of College Republicans in Georgia, the first chairman of the Georgia Association of College Republicans. And I just noticed you could pick the kids out who their entire life revolved around politics. And I treated them a little, even though I'm in the College Republicans, treated them a little skeptically. I mean, get a life. There are too many people who they, they don't have like, their entire circle of friends is revolved around politics and the political movement. Live a little bit. And I do think that both parties would be better off and more realistic in their expectations if they did something like that. It, it's it's kind of dumb to me to watch people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez try to pontificate on what we need to do for the working class. Likewise, it's kind of dumb to see some of these um, rich kids at think tanks on the right do the same. It's like I'm developing a pet peeve. I don't know that it's officially a pet peeve now, but um, there are a lot of graceless Christians on social media now. Uh, I call them the Theo bros who they want to go after people like Tim Keller because, well, theologically, he's absolutely in the right. Some of his views are not necessarily what they wish he would say. And I mean, I don't agree with him on everything, but he's also been a pastor. And I think that the guys who have come through or starting out or in the middle of seminary and they're going after pastors who they think are doing things wrong, maybe go pastor a church before you start telling pastors they need to pastor differently. You don't have to live in their shoes. You don't have to have done their job to tell them what to do. That's not my point. My point, though, is you should exercise some level of humility before you do. You should maybe wonder, why are they doing this? Are they theologically wrong? No. Well, am I going to lecture them when they're pastoring a church of a diverse array of people? I just There's, there's a lack of humility across the, both sides of the aisle and into theologians on Twitter. I guess Twitter takes off the humility. And I do think you need to have some level of humility before you start telling the working class we're coming for you. It's like I always say, the, the Republican groups who want to go into the Hispanic community, they get some white dude to go in and say, hola, mi amigos. It's immediately like, this isn't authentic. How can we relate to this guy? Get some people who can relate. And again, like Stacey Abrams, when she was on the campaign trail, pontificated that um, abortion is an economic issue for families. And based on her logic, she can't tell me what's good and wrong for families because she doesn't have one. What was funny is I, I put that clip on social media and, and a bunch of progressives got mad at me. Well, you're not a woman. You can't comment. It's like, that was my point exactly, that you should be able to comment on families and you should be able to comment as a man on women's issues and as a woman on men's issues. But Stacey Abrams in the left's position is unless you are in this group, you can't comment about this group. And here she is telling people what's good for families when she doesn't have one. I agree she should be able to, but her position is you shouldn't. I don't think you have to be in the working class to talk about the working class. What I do think is it would help you a lot if you kind of understood the working class before you pontificated on the working class. Before you start lecturing people on how to make a payroll, maybe you should have tried to make a payroll. Before you start telling small businessmen how to run their lives, maybe you should. You know, I am in the midst with my business of having finally to be able to get healthcare benefits 
for my employees. And it is absurd. And I really feel more and more strongly what I felt before. And and now I'm just confirmed and talking to all the insurance people, absolutely confirmed it, that the people in this country in Washington and Congress and the regulators who set the laws and regulations on insurance had no idea what small businesses dealt with. And they decided to make their lives better without understanding any of their problems. And they've wound up making everything worse. It is a complicated, screwed up mess. And I found a solution Finally, with a lot of people helping me get there, but the regulations and and the laws and stuff make it all convoluted. And you can clearly tell more and more that people in Washington who set the policies to improve people's lives actually make their lives worse because they have no idea what the hell they're talking about. They, They don't have any lived experience, nor do they relate to any of the people who lived that experience. So there's no way for them to learn. People need to learn what life is like for other people. One of the most miserable experiences of my life that I hope to never repeat again, that helped shape me in a way that I would probably be a far worse human being had I never gone through, was being forced for five whole years to do indigent criminal defense. In the county where I practice law, if I wanted to practice law, I was required to represent indigent criminal defendants against my will. Did not want to do it. Thought it was a violation of the 13th Amendment. They didn't care. If I wanted to practice law in the county, I had to. And it was miserable and it was deeply rewarding. And I learned a whole lot about people who were not like me. I did not live their life and I did not walk in their shoes, but I had to figure out a way to relate to the poor black young man who in a neighborhood was induced to be in a gang because he had no dad, his mom was never home and he needed some level of protection and he found it in a gang. Or the woman who got addicted to drugs, so much so she was prostituting herself and stealing from her husband until he divorced her and she was going to die and needed to be out of jail for Christmas where she could die. You learn about life like that, it's really harder to see a lot of things in black and white that you wanna see in black and white. And I have a lot of friends on the left and on the right who see a lot of things in black and white. And they get mad at me for saying, well, you know, the situation may be more nuanced. I may agree with you, but the situation is more complicated than you claim. I may agree with your policy, but you should acknowledge the complications of the situation. And that ultimately, I think, is where it comes from when I have people, friends of mine, say, you're just not as conservative as you used to be. Listen, I'm as conservative as I always was on every issue. I just recognize now in ways I did not when I was younger, when I was so focused on defining myself on social media until I very literally nearly died, that life actually can be rather complicated. The nuts and bolts of life can be very simple and we try to complicate it, but then there are complicated things we try to simplify. And sometimes it takes discernment, age, and wisdom through trials of life to discern the simple and the complex. And too many people who set our public policies don't understand that. They don't understand each other. They don't understand the other side of the aisle. They don't understand the people they try to represent. And we're left with the loudest youthful voices on Twitter trying to get attention, telling us things are so when they aren't, but they draw people in. They build up their audience and they can't walk away from it. And I find it all very deeply destructive. I would really, really like it if the Republican Party and the conservative movement maybe stopped listening to the loudest voices online 
and started listening to the people who don't have to have lived an experience, but at least relate enough to those who do that they actually can set sound public policy. And we can leave it to the progressives to pontificate on public policy without ever knowing anyone who's actually affected by their policies. Then everyone would vote for our side. One of the groups trying to get people to vote for our side is Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile, you just heard our caller say, great cell phone company. They take your cell phone number, transfer it to their phone system, and you get guaranteed great coverage. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses. And they take a portion of their profits and give it to the conservative causes you care about, from life to the Second Amendment. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric is where you go. You can go see their coverage maps. If you don't believe me on coverage, go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. You can zoom in straight to your house. You can see how good the coverage is, 5G, data, voice, and the like. It's patriotmobile.com slash Eric, or you can call them 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get guaranteed great service. You can port your phone number over to them. You can get a new phone number if you want. They use the same cell towers everyone else uses, and they give a portion of their profits to the very causes you care about on the right. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. You should be subscribing to the daily email. You can text uh, DATA to 33777 and you can uh, sign up, click that very first link and you'll be able to sign up for the daily email, for the show notes, for all of that. It's one of those things I'm relying on my email today to remind me what I was going to talk about. Right now, I want to talk to Rooster. Welcome, man. How are you? Rooster? Hey, hey, Eric. I, I was putting it between speaker and my head when you <laughs> called out my name. I've got a quick, I've got two comments or whatever have you. The first, I'm going to real quickly make, make the comment, let you come back to it later. My view on, on my political views are I don't want, it, it basically boils down to I don't want the government doing something to me that I don't want my neighbor doing to me. Yep. And then my second comment is the one I was talking about with the uh, with the call screener is that I keep running into young people who have no life skill whatsoever. So I went into the voting uh, uh, office to pick up shred of paper, and the young man that was working there, um, he didn't fit the characteristics I would call a man, but he he had the shred of paper. Uh, box open and he was kind of exasperated and somebody had overfilled it well then he couldn't figure out how to get the bag out of the box and then i turned the box over with a bag in it and got it out just fine and there was shredded paper all over the floor well then he went and found the full-time employee there and asked her what he was supposed to do about the shredded paper on the floor and wow. it just it's absurd to me that you don't understand how to pick stuff up off, off the floor or you don't know how to open a box or stuff like that. Yeah. And the, you're, uh, you basic know, common sense years. stuff. Yeah. And everybody, and, you know, so, oh, I shouldn't tell the story, but I'm going to tell the story, Rooster, because it's directly related to this. Uh, I read an article by a feminist um, a while back. A friend of mine sent it to me and thought it was one of the most intriguing pieces. And her complaint was that she was in her 30s and dating a guy who was 22 years old. And she complained because when they would get sexually active, he had to ask for permission for everything. Um, may I kiss you? May I touch you here? May I do this? May I? And she's like, would you just like, this is what we're doing. And 
It's like, what the heck are they teaching kids these days? Um, the permission structure, the inability to, to do things by themselves without getting permission from others, the, the on and on necessity of, um, I need someone to tell me what to do. I, in, you know, the article in itself was fascinating, but this is spillover into culture with kids these days who, I mean, they, they can't take out the trash unless you tell them exactly how to do it, where to take it and all that. Nobody figures stuff out for themselves anymore. 